Podcast episode one fifteen. You almost said episode four twenty, didn't you? Yeah, um, it's April twentieth. It's gonna be a long one, I think. Uh, so, anyways, we have Kevin Masari coming on from how the hell he pronounces it. I can't ever pronounce it, but he's from Cover One dot net. Works with Eric Turner, formerly of Building the Herd, and uh, we're gonna talk some stuff. So, real quick, we're brought to you by NumBillsFan dot com. We're brought to you also by from. Bills for well, we're life. not brought to you. That's where we live at. Yeah, I guess that's where you find all of our stuff. Um, yeah, find me on Twitter, at NumBillsFan. And uh, Deacon and I do show the Instagram. And Deacon, where can we find you, dog? What, like on Twitter? Wherever, in life. In life? At the very, very bottom. On Twitter, at NumBillsAdamD. <laughs> Anyways... Happy 420. So, uh, Wednesdays, we do a show on Facebook that's brought to you by BillsForLife.com. And you really need to check that out. It's pretty sweet. Uh, Super dope. Yeah, they got the biggest Bills fans Facebook group, uh, 60,000 plus. 62,000. Is it really? Whoa. And the number keeps growing. And they're, like, real. Yeah, yo, and they're actually the biggest, like, team fan group. On Facebook now. Like, bigger than that Lakers group? No, no, I'm saying the NFL, though. Oh, shoot, they beat out the Raiders. Beat out that Raiders group, that's right. Wow, that's huge. So, yeah, you want to join the conversation. It's a very well-moderated place. It's very safe. Um, Nah, man, but fucking Tilbury's Lakers group, that's like 100,000. Yeah, shout-out to Tilbury. He figures that out somehow. Um, Jamie's the man. PunchDrunkSports.com. Check them out. They throw out a sports podcast every week. We are part of their sports podcast network. Uh, com, you know, comedians that are doing a podcast about a sports team, and we're the ones for the Bills. So um, check those guys out. And, you know, they have some podcasts as well that you can go through, I believe, Patreon and pay, I think, five bucks a month or something for exclusive content, which will actually help support to build their network. So, Check those guys out. Sam Tripoli is pretty sweet. Archer Fear, I think, is missing in action. So, and Jason Jason Tivo, uh, I guess he got picked up for some kind of pilot he shot. So, shout out to those guys for doing yeah, their yeah, work out there in LA. Show. Yeah, it'll be cool. So, um, follow them on Twitter at Punchrunk, and don't forget twenty five percent off at ShadyRays.com. Tump, type in Numb Bills fan and. I think that's it. I'm just going to, like, pause this and call Kevin now and pretend we're not going to pause it. Yeah, yeah, pause it. I got I to gotta run to the kitchen anyways. All right. But before I do, I want to remind everybody to come out and hang out with us for the draft Thursday the 27th and Friday the 28th. We'll be down at Thurman's 34 Rush at Batavia Downs. That's 8315 Park Road in Batavia, New York. We're going to be down there with the gang from Rock Sports Network, 
Drew from the Rock Pile Report, the guys from Hashtag Sports, uh, Spencer from 105.5, the team here in Rochester, and the great Nate Geary from uh, WGR 550 in Buffalo, also a co-conspirator with our main man Eric Turner over at Cover1.net. There's going to be prizes, you know, giveaways, autographed Thurman Thomas memorabilia is up for grabs. Get down there, get in on these contests. There's drink specials, there's food specials, and shit. There's a ton of gambling. It's a great time. Yeah, it, it'll be cool to actually hang out and uh, do some fun stuff. So yeah, make some awesome content with other you know bright young up and comers you know here in the in the podcast and uh, you know. What have you, the podcast scene, if you will. Yeah, and Ryan Lacell and, and Icy Vic, those guys had a show before with the Bills Fanatics Network, and they're doing their own thing now with, uh, I believe they're calling it The Huddle. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty sweet to, to see those guys back doing their thing, and it's nice of them that, you know, put us, we felt like pretty high on our list to, to sit at the table with the other people who contribute, and uh, it'll be nice to actually, like, participate in something with people. Uh, so come out to 34 Rush for day one and two of the draft. Uh, I'll definitely be staying overnight Friday for sure. So anybody who wants to party in the van, let me know. Yeah, yeah, it's going down. At Noam Bill's fan on Twitter. Head us up. It's <laughs> all very 420. Um, all right, well, now let's really pause it and really call Kevin. All right, let's do that. I'm going to the kitchen. All you right. know me. All right, and we're back, and on the line is Kevin Masseri from CoverOne.net. Kevin, tell us what you're doing and where we can find you and what you got coming up real quick before uh, we dive into schedule talk that just dropped. So, Yeah, absolutely. So you obviously you can find me, as always, on CoverOne.net and my own Twitter handle, at Kevin Masseri. Um, those are my two main sources of all my material. Uh, one big thing I actually have dropping tomorrow will be my draft board uh, compiled rankings sheet. Um, it'll be a pretty easy way to see the top 300 rankings. And from there, uh, you'll be able to uh, kind of quickly and easily see, you know, who I have ranked where and kind of follow along as the draft begins. Awesome. I mean, from what you were telling me, it sounds pretty pretty sweet to follow. And we'll get into the draft talk after this uh, schedule dropping. So, Right off the bat, schedule drop. First game is against, um, you know, the New York Jets. And uh, this is obviously pre-draft. So, uh, to me, it's usually useless information, but not totally. Uh, I can't predict wins, but I can predict where I'm going to be sitting, who I'm going to be watching, and uh, whatever storylines need to happen to get to the playoffs. So, it's kind of unique. Um, yep. But... Right off the bat, what did you notice from the schedule? I mean, and you could riff for, I don't care how long you riff about it, do whatever. Yeah, so I noticed that uh, really off the bat, in my opinion, I think it's a pretty easy start to the schedule. Um, I know a lot of people look at it and see Denver and Carolina and say, man, that's two losses. Or, I mean, maybe in 2015 it could have been um, between our team and then them not being the greatest. Um, but then Carolina and Denver obviously both made the Super Bowl that year. So it, look, it looks tough on paper, but to me, uh, it's really not that challenging of a beginning. I think they go 2-1 to start this to start the year. Um, I then think they lose to Atlanta 
and beat Cincinnati to really start three and two uh, going into the bye. So, um, yeah, that would be my initial uh, kind of my initial inputs on the start of the schedule. Then I think you go into Tampa, Oakland, New York, New Orleans, uh, Los Angeles, and I think you can win another three of, of, of the five there. So I'm sitting at six and four. Um, and then you really start to get into the hard part of the schedule with Kansas City, New England, Indy, Miami, New England, Miami. Um, that's really where you're going to make or break the season and, you know, most likely going to come out with a challenging record there. But I really think they can start six and four. I mean, I'm pretty – I'm not even saying that positively. I just I just don't think it's that great of the first ten games. I'll be real with you. Um I, I think that if the Bills don't don't come out with a very – what the hell is that noise? Um, I have no idea, but I hear that too. I thought that was you. No. Um, if it's the, not me. Yeah, I was like, is that a toilet? Um, so it, it, if the Bills going into the first game against the Patriots have like a close to 500 record, I don't see the Bills really – I don't know. It could be a nosedive. It could be very miserable. If you got, you know, the Patriots twice and the Dolphins twice in the last five games, you know. Yeah. Um, come I agree on. with that. I mean, come yeah, on. That's it's, a really ugly December. You could look at it like this. The Bills have like, what, 11 games to get the shit their shit together? Yeah, <laughs> You know I agree. what I'm saying? Like. All right, guys, uh, McDermott's defense, here's some time to hone yourselves in, and you better hope that Ryan Tannehill somehow lost the accuracy he ain't, he gained in the offseason and in last season. So um, that would be pretty rad if you guys just sucked a little bit. So I don't, I don't you know, man, they got to do what the Dolphins would do, which is – Typical, except for this year. They usually start out hot, and then they tank the season, you know? And kind of how, like, the Jets season seemed to go. Yeah, I mean, here, look, you're right. I mean, that that's a really daunting end of the schedule. Um, I, I see them going 6-4 and four to start, but you're right. To really make noise, they probably need to be 7-3 and three to even make it, to make any type of run, just knowing what they have to finish. Right, and... um. You know, I, I could see the Kansas City Chiefs as being a beatable team. Um, the, yeah, they're a lot like they're a lot like um, Arizona last year. Where a lot of people were penciling that as a loss early on just because of the year they had coming in. Um, and then it turns out to be not that daunting of a task. I look at that game pretty similar uh, to where I don't think that that's a shoe-in loss, but it's, it's certainly not a game I'm, you know, I'm, I'm preaching for a win at this stage of the game. Um you know, they're, they're really one Alex Smith injury away from, you know, really struggling, so. Yeah, I don't know, man. Our track record against Kansas City's last I know. few years is terrible. Well, it's, it's funny because Kansas City used to be a team where, you know, during the Chan Gailey years where you could pencil in a W. Um, Every single time. And then the last three or four that we've played them, I don't think, I don't believe we've played them. We didn't play them last year. We, we haven't beat, I think, like any Andy Reid teams, it seems like. Ever. Yeah, remember that one Philly game when they came here? Uh, I think Mike Vick was their quarterback. At yeah, the I remember his... getting pictures of it and, and stuff we like beat, that. We beat him then. I remember because he was on the field complaining at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. Um, Actually, okay, I do. Mike uh, Michael Vick threw the ball through the end zone. 
they thought he had one second left. Um, yeah, that's how that game ended. That's probably, man, right? His last year in Philly. Dude, that's, like, so crazy to think about, like, the players you actually see. Because when I was a kid, it was like, I was like, man. Like, you think about, like, Hall of Fame players and, like, people just, like, right in front of you, I'm going to be able to tell my kids, I watched Tom Brady play. Yeah. And, uh, no, I know. It's I been know. pretty Many awful. Times. And I think my yeah. first Patriots game I went to they was the one that the Bills won. So I just, like, I never went to games. Ever. I, Dude, I never thought just a few I could years afford ago, like, Yeah, yeah, I never thought I could afford it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh I don't know how the hell we got on that through Andy Reid, but um What a sad existence. We're like the one time they won. <laughs> Come on, man. The history's deeper than that. Come on, baby boy. Get it together. So what do you feel about how the home games to away games lay out? I mean, I like it. I don't mind having two to end the season. Um, those three December games, through 3rd, 10th, and the 17th, where we play New England, Indianapolis, Miami um, in a row. We saw that this year, and unfortunately we crumbled down the stretch, really, where we lost uh, two of the three this year. Um, but I think that could be a really beneficial home game in Miami, or to play against Miami week seven, uh, December 17th. And I, I don't mind playing them the 31st as well. If that matters, everyone's getting good weather. So um, it really evens the playing field there week 17 if that game comes down to matter at least a little bit. Um, I don't mind the breakout. I think it's fine. I like where our buy is. Um, a touch early for me. But, I mean, the Thursday night football game gives us a long break going into going into New Orleans. Um you know, the home game against Oakland helps. I, I think that's a shoe-in loss if it's there. But it's here. I mean, the West Coast teams have such a poor record traveling to, you know, our, to the to the right coast. Um, they really do. I think statistically it's close to 75%. Um, it might even be up toward 80% now of teams that travel from the left coast to the right coast lose. So um, that's a bigger advantage than most give. So when we play the West Coast teams, when they come here, it really is a stronger advantage. So Denver and Oakland do face an immediate challenge there. Um, so I like I like Denver early in the year before they really have figured out what they're going to do at the quarterback position. If they you know roll with Trevor Simeon, um, great. But I really think that that's a winnable game as well. So that's why I, I, th- those first ten games to me just really aren't that challenging. It's normal to average of any schedule. So I I really hope we don't have to deal with beast mode. Yeah, I mean, it's looking more and more like we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That Oakland team's good anyways, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he gives them a little bit more maybe than Latavius Murray, but, you know, who knows how he's looking. You know, he, you never know if he comes back and gets hurt week four and just kind of lingers on with an ankle injury or something. So um, I'll wait I'll wait till week three to be a little more scared of him. Listen, man, those Skittles are like steroids, all right? <laughs> I know, I know. They're... They really are. They, they prevent stomach uh, throwing up. So, um, yeah. They give, them like, they give them like Wolverine-type regeneration. It's great. Yeah, I mean. You can't stop them. That's right. So, I mean, I, I heard he's asking for big money. So, it's interesting to see. And I still have to agree on compensation, too. So, um, who knows how that plays out. But I know if, if something goes south there, they really don't have a running game because, you know, Murray signed with Minnesota. So, um, they're welcome mixing. 
Yeah, I don't know yeah. though. If I was retired, you'd have to give me big money to put my work yeah, no. back on too. I'm not arguing it. I, I think it's fine by um, Marshawn. I'm just saying in Oakland's case, I don't know what they're doing there. They're putting a lot of eggs in one basket. But maybe they know that Peterson will play there or something if something goes south. I don't know. So um, back to what you were saying about you know the the, the first ten games. I or actually, you could even say. You know, up and through up until week twelve, uh, so eleven games. I gotta say, I'm pretty. Maybe I'm like the eternal optimist, but I always look at these schedules and and I go, I could see the Bills single handedly yeah. having a ten and six record, and it's very doable. And I think about the early games where. Um, in the season we lose them, and it's like, what the hell? Like this dumb. Whether it's a ref mistake or the team mistake, whatever the hell it is, it's going to come to bite the Bills in the ass come December. And it seems yep. like they lose a couple stupid ass ones. And I got to say, this coaching staff has me bought in where they could have their shit together by the time they play the Patriots. I'm sorry. You, you hear Jerry Hughes talking. You hear Incognito talking. They're, they're very, you know, these guys are getting down to business. Um, I don't know if you caught their pressers today. But, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're very detailed. And they're, Jerry Hughes is like, yeah, they're not just telling us how they want to do it. They're showing us. And it seems like they're allowing feedback and whatever the hell um, and encouraged to ask questions, which is cool. So, um, and Richie Incognito actually kind of said in passing, he's like, yeah, I'm actually tired. Like, whoa. Come on, man. Like. Yeah, and I'm a Rex supporter, but like the more we distance myself from Rex, the more I think, what the hell's going on? And then I think this whole Billsma, you know, Tim Murray situation with the Sabers, and I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? Are, are we going to be the Browns? Like, I sure hope not, because I really like the Pagulas, and um, you know, I don't, I don't want to see that shit. So I really hope that Sean McDermott, I really hope this guy's the guy. But man. I, you know, he is saying the right things. Uh, he even somehow using lily pads into a uh, metaphor somehow, which is kind of <laughs> cute. So um, very good speaker. I feel like he, whoever taught him how to speak is the same guy who trained Obama because they sound like great. But yeah. uh, I really think this team feels, it, it just sounds like they're going to get their shit together, frankly. And um, that's really, really important, I think. Especially when you're going up against the Jets, that's a very you know I don't want to call a a win a win already, but get the hell out of here if you don't beat the Jets. I don't care if you lob EJ Manuel out there and sign him for one game. You better beat the Jets. Like get out of here. Yeah, no, I mean they have one of the worst quarterback situations imaginable right now. You know, oh just just look at that whole roster, man. They're in, they're in deep they're deep doo doo everywhere on that entire team. Um, they really cut you know, ties with a lot of they have some nice young pieces in their defensive backfield, but outside of that, I don't like that team at all. Yep, and then you got the Panthers. Well, what a better team for Sean McDermott to game plan against. So boom, there you go. You got the Broncos, like you were saying with Simeon, whatever, but who knows what they're gonna do at that position. And the thing with the Broncos is they have very good personnel all the time and you know, there is a lot to say about Peyton Manning's mind when his arm fell off, you know? So yeah. that, that was obviously that. So that, that is a 50, 50 game to me, the Falcons, you know, you tossed it out. 
the the Bengals fifty fifty. I would lean. Uh, you know, you always say now lean beating the Bengals, but the Bills have always had a hard time with the Bengals. I I don't understand. Well, we had a hard time with a lot of the games that EJ Manuel played. Yeah, yeah. Up until last year, they uh they they took care of the Bengals finally. Um, and I think they can do the same this year, especially when their offensive playmakers are playing. I don't, I don't think Cincinnati's very good right now. What do you think about the Buccaneers? Well. We're going to get a good insight into them on Hard Knocks. Um, and people laugh, but it really is a good way to check out their 53-man roster. Get rid of the narrative. Get rid of the, the goofy off-the-field things they do. Um, you can really start to tell their roster and kind of follow their players, see who gets cut. Um, so it honestly gives us a good insight. Glad we're playing them this year. Um, I don't think they're great. I think they're they're really deficient on defense. Um I think they have some nice young pieces on offense. I still don't think they can run the ball. They probably have the worst running situation in the league. Um, Martin is suspended for drugs, and then you have How, is he suspended uh, for ten games? Is it ten? Um, Are you sure it ain't like four? It, it might be four. Um, I don't. I don't have his exact suspension. Yeah, because we're, we're we're playing in week seven, so um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's four or eight actually. Um, but either or, they're, they're not even saying that he's going to make the roster, let alone. I mean, he was terrible last year alone. So, um, you know, you have Charles Sims there who just can play okay at times. I, I don't I don't love the team. I like Mike Evans a lot. Um, you know, Jameis Winston can win a game or two by, his, by himself. So, I don't know. I think it's definitely a winnable game. Um, I think they're at their best when they're running the ball, believe it or not. That's what opens up the most avenues for Jameis. So... What do, you, I, I, what do you think, Deke? You think that's a that's nah, got at home? You gotta you gotta expect Tampa Bay to to add to the backfield in the draft. You, you know, you almost gotta assume, especially with with how many uh, you know good guys there are available. This this draft will be good. You know, um, <laughs> what were you saying though, Dave? You yeah, think- they can. They will draft. They definitely were gonna. They're gonna have to add a running back into that situation. So. Um, so you There's think no doubt about that. you think Deeks that that should be a shoe in when I mean you Kevin you too I mean oh, Tampa, yeah. Tampa Bay at home um, fifty fifty team I would teeter that towards you know the the scariest part is a franchise quarterback yeah they and they, they have that I mean they they signed Deshaun Jackson um, you know if you look at their offensive line I've never been too impressed with them. You know, Dotson, Market, Howley, Sweezy, and Smith. Um, that very average there. Cameron Brake came on at tight ends. You know, I I think Doug Martin is just a four game suspension. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but either way, like we've mentioned, he they will draft. Um, you know, they will draft a guy. They'll probably take the job anyways. So, right. and, and then on the defense, they have a lot of overpriced players. So, you know, they overpaid Robert Ayers. Um, I don't like their linebacking core at all. You know, Levante David's good, but then, you know, Cameron Lynch is just a guy. So, you know, they have some work to do. Um, their defensive backfield, you know, just has Brent Grimes. So, you know, they, they have some they have some things to work on. Um, but, yeah, definitely at home. And, you know, they're coming up, you know, coming up north. Um, you know, used to, used to hot weather. They're going to get a cool one. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll definitely see what that has in store. But that, that definitely, to me, needs to, to even make any type of noise. You need to take the win, even if they're looking okay. Um, there's really no negotiation on losing that one. No, for no, and I agree with you. And they would give them some, if people believe in it, some good momentum to hit the Raiders at home again. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, and don't forget we're playing them off the bye. That's a big no. So. Right. So that's um, – that, and McDermott should be relatively used to, you know, they play each other every, you know, every, they were playing each other pretty, pretty, re, uh, you know, pretty often. So, okay. you know, that, yeah, he should be familiar with what that team likes to do. He, he should have seen them, you know, the harder one to me will be when he plays Oakland. He, he's probably never seen Oakland. Um, you know, he, he won't have any idea, but at least both of those games are advantageous schedule wise and traveling wise. Normally, I don't know if I love the matchups going to Tampa or Oakland, but those are two really good home games to me to have at home. Yeah, I, I think so too. And and um, you know, when I think of Sean McDermott and, and his defense and and how the defensive line is going to be used, Jerry Hughes is a defensive end. I love that he clarified that. I love that yeah. he's talking about just reading, reacting, or whatever the hell, less thinking. Okay, just go. Um and. You know, I, I was a big Rex guy because I thought he's on the cutting edge of defense, but you got to get all your guys to buy into it, you know. But you got, like, four horses up front that are prime. And you get yep. Darius's head out of his ass, which I think should happen, and yep. you're going to have great things happening. So, yep. you know, I – come on. We've seen all those guys produce, and Shaq Lawson, I think – because people want to hold it against him that he was injured for some reason or hate Doug Whaley. The dude had a pretty impressive rookie year for as long as he played for the 10 games, I believe. You know, I thought they broke him in nicely, and he did, he showed a lot of promise, I thought. Yep. So, um, you know, so I think the Saints, that's going to be kind of cool to see Drew Brees. I've never seen him play. So, you know, you would knock off the Jets hopefully again, and then you hit the Saints – um. Yep. The Saints I are think weird. I think, yeah, they're me. a weird team. They're a team that you play any lick of defense on them, and you know you can win that game. Um, it's plain and simple. If you can stop Drew Brees, and uh, you can beat them. Though they're a team that can be down twenty-eight, much like New England, um, and always be in it. That that defense is one of the worst things I've ever seen put on paper. Um, they they notorious have a lot of work to do there. So. I, I don't. I, I I think they're really dysfunctional. I mean, if it wasn't for Drew Brees, I mean that that's a four and twelve football team. You know what? What scares me is people are talking about. Um, you know, they just traded Cooks too. Like, I, right? It, but here's the thing, though: is what scares me with, with Drew Brees is when I think Drew Brees, I think about how well he uses the middle of the field. And you know, when you have a cover three defense, which is what the Bills are going to, and it's like, you know, people want to say that. Okay, the Bills should get, say, O.J. Howard, right, in the draft. And, you know, you want to have those guys splitting right down the middle on, you know, the safeties for, say, New England, right, if that's the weak point. So the way I look at it is, wait a second, so that's more shit for Tom Brady to carve up as well. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's going to, like, cancel itself out. And when I think about Drew Brees using the middle of the field, I'm thinking the same thing. And... I really yeah, hope I mean, they. I really hope these guys are good, and I hope they figure out the secondary man. They yeah, got to figure I mean, it out. I mean, real quickly, we'll we'll get off the Saints in a minute. But like, if you look at their roster, I mean, they're they're, they're touting you know Ted Ginn Jr., Brandon Coleman, and Willie Sneed. Those are their you know their two, three, and four receivers. It's not better than us, but at the same time, um, you know, having Michael Thomas is a good number one. Their offensive line's always a mess. I mean. It, 
they really didn't do anything to me that that made it stand out. That right side is consistently getting beat. You know, you have Colby Fleener, who's a nice player, and then you look at their defense, and they've just invested so much in it, and it's still so bad. You know, you got Stefan Anthony, who didn't play very well at linebacker. Craig Robinson's their middle linebacker. I would doubt anyone knows who that is. Danelle Ellerby is one of the most overpriced players ever. Yeah. Um, you know, you got Kenny Vaccaro, who showed out, and then he's just been on the downhill. Von Bell, who really didn't do much. Um, Delvin Bro and PJ Williams at cornerback. There's really nothing to write home about. X, you know, Bro's an ex AFL player. Um, you know, you got you got Nick Farrelly and Sheldon Rankins at defensive tackle. That's a nice pair. And Cameron Jordan. So they got an okay D line, but they they're they're also lacking a left defensive end too. So you know, there, there's a lot to do there, and 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 there are not. You know, we're, we're worried about our depth. That team is a couple injuries away at any position to being in big big trouble. Like. If, Obviously, if Drew Brees gets hurt, but also obviously Mark Ingram, if he goes down, then they're starting Daniel Lasco, who most people don't even know who that is. Um, you know, any of their players that go down a receiver or D-back, I mean, they're in big, 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 big trouble. So I'm not worried about that game. I, 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 that's another one that, yeah, I'm super happy he's at home. Um, yeah, I think you got to take advantage of that because I'm not scared about the Chargers in Week 11 and, and the Chiefs. I think, again, if your defense can get its – you know, act together. I think Alex Smith is very beatable. Yep. Um, and, and I think with the core that they have, uh, Jerry Hughes sounds like a very intelligent man. Uh, you, they figure out these linebackers, you know, I, I have a lot of trust in Hyatt. I feel like, um, McDermott's really, really, really going to have everything up to snuff. So, you know, that leads you into the Patriots, which we already pretty much hit. Uh, the Colts. I never know what to think about the Colts in Week 14. Um, <laughs> you know, because on paper, it's like uh, I made this metaphor last night. It's like when you watch sports teams, you know, they 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 get some good talent. You got franchise quarterback there, and on paper, it looks good, but. It just, but not so much. Yeah, no, man. If you if you pull up the roster and you you strike Andrew Luck out of it, that's a very poor ride. It's a very it's the AFC Colts or excuse me, it's the AFC version of the Saints. If you pull it up, I even think the Saints might be a little bit better at some positions. But if you pull that team up, and you take a look at their depth chart. That defense is just so pathetic. It's so bad um, that, that Andrew Luck just literally never has the ball. Um, and How when does he does, Pagano have get, have a job? I don't understand. It was like the, the field goal, the field good story. Unfortunately, he had cancer. I'm glad he recovered. But yep. I mean, that's proud of Bruce Arians. And once Bruce Arians bounced, and in Pagano before he got, I think cancer. I think he was already kind of in like, uh, what are we doing here, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I don't. I understand continuity, continuity, and and I appreciate it all the time, but. Like, dude, whatever you're doing is, ah, uh, it's not working. It's not working with your. You got to surround Andrew Luck with players. I mean, did you not learn anything from Bill Polian at all? Like, they invested in players around Peyton Manning. They really yeah, did. I mean, yeah. It, it, look, and they could protect him, right? They had one of the best offensive lines in the right. league, and much like New Orleans. You have a right side of the line that's just 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 the same thing. You have Denzel Good and Joe Haig, who just are just turnstiles. They're not very good. And, Those are reminiscent of like Derek Dockery days here. So, and he's um, one of the last. He's one of the, the 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 last franchise guys that can play like that kind of, you know, the kind of football that I think a Tom Brady can play. You know what I mean? Where he can yeah. play good 
pocket football, and and he's super bright. And it's just unfortunate because I think, man, if I was the Bills, what I would do, I would trade a lot of players for Andrew Luck. I would trade yep. everything for Andrew Luck. And I was an Andrew Luck denier for a bit, but then I realized I'm just being stupid. So you got to surround these guys. And I feel like with the Bills, man, maybe it's because I'm a fan, but I go through this roster and I just think, how the hell do you hate the GM? Like, how do you how do you hate this roster, man? It wasn't long ago if you look at Chan Gailey's roster with, like, George Edwards as a defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, we're playing a hybrid defense. What? Yeah, those... Buddy Nix is talking about sleeping in on, like, the midnight of free agency. It's like, what? Like, dude. Right. And I bought into it, though. <laughs> I totally bought those... into it. Those defenses are as bad as the this this Colts defense that I'm looking at here. I mean, th- those teams are bad. I mean, you had you remember Spencer Johnson, who was a defensive tackle, yes. was playing outside linebacker yes. at one point. Like it, it was just absurd that like, and you know I, I'm I can how about this? I'm marking the I, I don't know a ton. I can't predict a ton yet, but I can predict we beat Indianapolis at home. Like if you look at their um, their secondary, it's awful. Like it's it's seriously just. Besides Vontae Davis, like there's players on that won't even make our team. So, um, and that's in our secondary isn't that great. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't love the roster at all. I mean, once again, like any of the teams are talking about, but like, you know, a luck three game or four game stretch of being hurt, which he does, which does happen in this case, that team's in, in deep trouble. I, um, I, even, I, I think Shaq even take Ty Hilton out, yeah, take Ty Hilton out, and that team's in big trouble. I, I think Shaq Lawson is going to ruin people's lives this year. And I really mean that because um, if dude was that good when he had that shoulder injury, you know, um, and he's been used to dealing with it, like he's got to have so much more mobility now, you would think. And yeah, able to you do would a, think so. a lot more things. And it's like I look at this Bills defensive line and I just put it up against these offensive lines right there. And and I, I refer to college football lately. It's been like my thing for, uh, you know, I, I think that Nick Saban crushes college football because he gets the biggest monsters in the trenches. You know what I mean? Like, their skill position players don't usually, like, pan out as, like, some freaks. You follow me? Like, it, I got you. It, it, yeah. it, it's like... I think we. I think what you're saying, and I agree, is that we have a lot, we have a good front four in Jack Lawson, Darius, yes, Kyle Williams, very and good, Hughes, and we have a good front five line. I don't. I don't care what anyone says. It's led the league in rushing um, uh-huh. two straight years, and you know, incognito Glenn Wood Miller, who's played really well, and then Jordan Mills, who's not very good, but like you know, you're not going to have five Pro Bowl players. I mean. The other, you know, you have three pro bowlers on that line. You had John Miller, who was the most improved guard in the league, and you throw in a competent right tackle, which maybe Mills isn't. Maybe Chantrell Henderson plays. Maybe Cyrus Quanjo can make the switch finally after being crazy this past week. Um, maybe that happens. Maybe we take a third-round right tackle. Did they get um, his clothes back on him? Yeah, a lot of that story was fabricated from what the Erie County Sheriff said. So, oh, really? Yeah, so... It sounded to me like he, you know, he had that weird surgery. He may be taking a few pain pills and maybe was, you know, a little bit too loopy. Um, I maybe what, have a theory, too. I've had maybe some was, surgeries and I've had some pain pills. Yeah. I'm thinking that his buddies brought some edibles to town or somebody made them. 
Yeah. That's, and then, you know, yeah. he's like, it's been 40 minutes. Are these going to kick in already? And then he ate more of them, you know, and there you go. It yeah, kicked in. Theory. And that could Definitely. really happen. Yeah. It's, it's possible. I'm not discounting that fact. So. That's right. You, you know, you, you're, you're, he didn't say that to the cops when he said, like, uh, shoot me or whatever. That Apparently, that's just completely false. Um, you know, I think he was just kind of in a different state. And unfortunately, maybe he'll learn from that. Um, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. A younger guy made a mistake. Like, it's not that crazy. It wasn't even that. He didn't even get arrested, to be honest. So. Um, yeah, it was a cute post. I poked some fun at it with the edibles and yeah. light humor. Um, yeah. Anyways, back to the right. T- I mean, what you were saying, the team has a good – the team is actually good in the trenches. Like, say what you want. And then if you look at their backups, I really think the off- backup offensive line between two costs, Patrick Lewis, Chantrell Henderson, Cyrus Quanjo, and Ryan Croy, that's as good of a backup five as any team has. So um, – Oh, I agree. I mean, really, those are good six through ten players. Like, you know, you're not going to have Cordy Glenn's behind Cordy Glenn. So, you know, if you look at their at their defensive line, they could do a little bit there. But Adolphus Washington's a fine backup defensive tackle. So is Ryan Davis. I think he's actually going to flourish. If you want one prediction from me on this podcast, it's that Ryan Davis is uh, one of our best pickups of the year. Um, I think he's a really great scheme fit, and I think you'll see five sacks from oh, him. Yeah. So, so. You know, there's a little work we could do there. Maybe, you know, Jarrell Worthy's good, too. So you've got some players there. You throw in one more fifth-round defensive end, and the next thing you know, you're pretty deep there, in my opinion. You can't really bank for Kyle Williams or Marcel Darius' loss. I mean, you can't have – these people want, like, Aaron Donald behind, like, your starter. It's just not going to happen. Like, you just cannot consistently waste a first-round pick on defensive line every single year. Like, it just it, – I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're going to have to roll with Shaq Lawson and Jerry Hughes. It's just – I, I do not want to touch defensive line in this draft until the fifth round. No, I don't think you need to. And, and Adolphus Washington, everybody wants to take shits on Whaley. What's yep. he done for me? What's he done for me? Look, dude, let's get it real here. Quanjo is a serviceable left tackle. He did. You know he's what actually, I mean, he dude? Good. If yeah. anybody's ever done anything, like, like, one thing I've learned about the draft, and, you know, we have our opinions on Miami, which we'll eventually incorporate into draft talk, I guess. But, like, let, let's go towards this draft shit. Um, yeah, great. I mean, cool. we did already touch on Miami. So, um, look, man, I think Mel Kuyper's a bullshitter. I want to be real with you because everybody's talking how Cordy Glenn would be a, a really good guard, and he doesn't have the whatever the hell oh, to play left gone, tackle right? or tackle. And then everybody's like, you know what? If he can't play left tackle, just move him to right. It'll be like nothing. And it's like, wow. If you, you know, I used to ride like BMX bikes, and I could turn to the right better than I could turn to the left. You know what I mean? Or something like that. And it's like. No, I, no, ice skating is like the same way. So what? It's no surprise that dude is not that strong on the right side. In fact, I would say that there's enough tape out there. If you call up Eric Turner and you guys at Cover One um, dot net, I like to put that in there. Um, shit, I think I think Eric Turner should be pumping out some videos to pump out the teams and be mailing it to him of. Clips of Cyrus Quanjo and for trade bait. Like, let's be real here. <laughs> he made one. He made a good one. For Richie Incognito asked us for one like a couple weeks ago, and he made one for him. And Richie was all pumped. He's he owes us a podcast actually um, in return. So, wow. Um, so 
Yeah, we could do it for Cyrus. I mean, to me, I actually think a $1 million backup left tackle is, is valuable. Like, are we going to get a first-round pick for that? No. Would we get a third or fourth? I don't think it's crazy out of the question. Um, right. But, and he's, but he's turned out. You might out. need him, though. Yeah, you might need it. You might need the player. I mean, I don't know. I think that's good depth behind him. And I think when you go to get re-signed, I think it wouldn't cost us too much to consistently. I don't want to go back to those days where we're, like, subbing in Colin Brown. So, um, or the Langston v- Walker. Or the that yeah, was yeah, that I mean, game was so fun. Yeah. Like, all right, I guess I'll just do this. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I want to get it out of the way. Do you think the bills can beat the dolphins? It's kind of bothering me. Um, uh, as it stands right now today without draft, without a draft, um, like you've mentioned a few times, it's, it really is dependent on Tannehill playing as well as he is, but man, Matt Moore had a stretch. He really did. I, I was a Matt Moore hater. I thought he's just completely washed up and useless. Man, he went on for like six touchdowns at the end of last year. Um, that mustache. Yeah. Uh, even That's not a team that I would say if Tannehill went down is dead, like like the others we've talked about. Um, they have a pretty good offensive line, finally. Um, their receiving core is good. The defense, defense scares me as is. Um, hmm. I mean, you need to expose them in the secondary. That's where they're weakest to me. I mean, they're starting an, uh, a suspended TJ McDonald. Um, they've just acquired Nate Allen. So, like, there, there's some stuff to do there. I mean, there's, there's you, you can expose them there. They're starting their second-round pick from last year who wasn't very good, Xavier Howard. Um, there's there's some moves there. They just signed Kiko to a big, 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 big deal. Uh, Misi's not very good. Neville Hugh. It's not very good. So their back seven is is uh, you can kind of exploit them there. You're gonna have to beat them by scoring. I mean, I wouldn't get into a defensive game with them at all. Yeah, I, I would just hope to God that. Uh, I think we can stop JHI this year. How about that? Yeah, you know, I. I, I think we split with them to answer your initial question. It's so, a long-winded way to say I think we don't want him. So in the draft. Um, you know, the guy I wanted to go with, man, you got this big board thing coming up. Uh, really reset what you got on coming up on CoverOne.net for your, your big draft board thing. Sure. Yeah, Eric and I are, are researching the best way to drop our, my board tomorrow. But um, what it is is basically I compiled a list of every draftable player for the most part that is reasonably going to be drafted. I put them by position and ranked them out and gave them a score. And then pretty much I'm just going to sort it out by round. Then you're going to be able to look and see like where positions are deeper. So like if if there's a lot of low scores, which means like let's call it one or two, that's high score, which means that there's a lot of versatility there. You'll see it'll be pretty obvious, um, and I'll rank it out so you can look at it and be like, wow, there's like there's like seven first round cornerbacks. Let's like wait on that position. So it'll be pretty easy to tell what's going on. And then like you might look at other positions and be like. Man, offensive tackles weak. We if we want one, you need to get one. So, which is actually true. So, you know, it's it's just a really easy way to look at it and be like, not have to put too much time into you know analyzing like each individual player. Like, if I if I load up some big boards um, or like draft descriptions, it's just I'm just reading forever. That's right um, up. That's right up my alley. We were talking yeah. about this earlier before we went, and I I just cannot stand. 
the monotonous information out there because um yeah, you know, just, I've gotten you, rid of all that. You yeah. research why, how these guys rank things, and and it's like again, Mel Kuyper. I think he's an idiot. Um, yeah, he's a figurehead. He's getting paid to talk. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that the shit he says doesn't even. You know, I just don't put him there just because of. And it's like, dude, it has nothing to do with football. You know what I mean? Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. And and I've been, uh, you, you know, one player I really want to talk about with you, and. Eric, I think, talked me off this and was like, dude, no, I don't want to misquote him, but I think that's what he was saying. But, like, I hammered the table. I was talking uh, on one of the live shows. I think one thing that doesn't add up to me is, and I don't want you to laugh, okay, but I am dead serious, and I don't know how it would fit on the roster. But I don't understand how there's a prospect out there who, if he wasn't injured and didn't have character issues at the most important position on the field, would be the second best quarterback to some people in the entire draft, Chad Kelly. How is that guy not worth, if you're in a Bills-type situation, where you stashed a kid, and next thing you know, you got Cardale Jones developing, and now you got quarterback equity, you know, um, because... it would be cheap, and the guy, I mean, you're telling me Jim Kelly didn't go, dude, sling it. You got one opportunity, and he would be perfect injured, which he could throw and just pretty much redshirt for a couple of years and be in Buffalo. And I really believe that the way they've been pumping the Sean McDermott guy, frankly, is, hey, let's make this really positive and that, like, hey, all the character issues are really ironed out, so we're unraxifying, and I don't drive a flashy truck, and we're unraxifying this situation here at One Bill's Drive, and, hey, shit flows through me, and I'm going to pump it out to you, and guess what? What's the narrative going to be if you bring in who I want them to somehow get? Call me crazy, Reuben Foster, and I don't care if you bring in Chad Kelly. I would support it. Because now you could put him in that atmosphere and all the media is going to say, look, he's in the best atmosphere he can be in. You know, right. he's with a good coach. He's with a good structure. You know, he's a man of faith. Whatever horse shit they want to really pad it with. So Yeah, if you look at, like, my big board, I have him as a nine, which means he's directly my ninth-rated quarterback. And um, that's just purely with everything factored in. But... They said that as many as seven or eight could go in the first 60 picks. Um, and then after that, I mean, Chad Kelly's my guy. So here's what I'm saying. Obviously, no one's investing a first or a second round pick into him. Um, and most likely not a third. Wait, we he, don't have you him. said he is your guy? Um, he's my guy past. He's my my favorite developmental quarterback. Okay, okay. So, so then yeah, I'm saying just, he's my just guy hammer on him, man. Give us a down low on him. I, I really, I don't think we've ever really documented from somebody who knows about it. I've just talked a lot of shit. Like, dude, bring him in. I'll roll. I'll he's, roll him the blunts. I don't care. Bring him in. He, he ain't gonna play for a couple years anyways. Right. He's he's actually like my favorite, um, you know, risk reward player in the draft. So if you look at it on that perspective. He is a gunslinger. He is the mentality of a Brett Favre. He makes plays. He's got, you know, we'll use a little bit, you know, not a Hall of Fame quarterback. We'll use Ryan Fitzpatrick. He, you know, he's going to throw it into tight spaces. Um, he is going to rely on his physical skills to make plays. Um, he's, he's more athletic than you'd think. 
Um, he's, he's pretty mobile guy and he, he's very, you know, actually football smart. You know, we're not going to say he's common sense smart at this point, um, but he's very football smart. Um, you know, he's grew, grown up in a football family. He, he knows his playbooks, you know, he's, he switched a few schools, which means, you know, he's a challenging character. Obviously we all know this to, to work with, but, um, I think when he has guys like TJ Yates and he's got, you know, Tyrod Taylor in the, in the room, you know, he's not going to really feel like the man. Um, he's just going to feel blessed to be here. And I think he's when, if he got picked by Buffalo, he would have that, you know, shut up and be quiet or I'm going to cause a lot of problems here. Um, I think that he's worth a fifth-round pick. I mean, that's that's what I have him at. I said that I would not have a problem with that. Yeah, that's where I have him at. If he goes, we don't have a fourth. So if we were thinking about an early third, I'd have a little problem with that just because of, you know, the development needed on him. Um but, you know, if he's got the kind of talent that, you know, you're sitting there in the fifth round, you, you know, the problem is you do have a similar type of player in Cardale Jones. I mean, they're similar, actually, in the terms of where they're strong suited. I actually think Chad Kelly's a little bit better than him. So. I was going to say, I would think that Chad Kelly would be more accurate. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, he's still similar, though. He's, his downfalls are going to be similar to Cardale's where... You know, his accuracy is a little bit of an issue, but he makes plays, man. You know, he's if he didn't have character concerns like you started this off at, um, I think he'd be a second-round pick. That's probably where I'd have him. It, it's, it's just one of those, um, you know, yeah, blips. The in injury's the ra- a big deal, too, it, it, it's, a, it's a blip in the radar to me that people don't exploit this even more because you look at a guy like RG3, and, right. you know, Right after a season ends, people have these rankings in their head of uh, of like what the team needs. And then all of a sudden, what's going to change your mind? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't think the Bills, example, I didn't think the Bills need a receiver right away at the, at right. the, the end of the season. And now I'm thinking even more. Actually, you know what? Maybe. But my point is, is with RG3, that dude's touted as like a second-round pick, like late second-round pick, maybe even third-round pick. And then dude with this Andrew Luck thing – Dude gets towered up as franchise guy. The Redskins pull Redskins. And, um, you know, next thing you know, dude flops. And it's like, you're telling me if Chad Kelly, let's go to the flip side. If Chad Kelly was like that guy that, that didn't have the character issues, and even if he just wasn't injured and had a good pro day and was somehow eligible for the combine, he would have tore up the combine or been near, like, you know, he would have been serviceable to, to make a name for himself and really build some momentum and, I think, creep into the third to second round. Because if he's that good and you come up with this bloodlines horse shit, it's unfortunate for him that he's had these little dumb issues because, man, you're telling me Uncle Jim wouldn't go, go to bat for him? He already is now, but he could have been going to bat for him a lot earlier. Yeah, you know? I mean... You're right. I mean, also don't obviously we all know, we know this, but the injuries are kind of a big deal for him too. It's not just character concerns. So we don't. Once again, I started with we don't have like the information to know exactly where he's at on his injuries. But if he if he can't work out at this point, you don't know that you can take an investment into the guy. So it's it's tough. It's very very tough. Not just from a character perspective and from an injury perspective. Um, if those are serious, he couldn't. He didn't even have a t- chance to do anything this off season. So. I don't know, man. At this point, you can't really invest more than a, a fifth-round pick in them. Um, and I would not be. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the sixth or seventh or undrafted. So, 
So, um, another guy I want to ask you about, very curious to me, and I've been saying it for a bit. I don't know why people are considering him not an option, but uh, even with this, you know, this drug allegation thing now, um, it kind of threw a wrench in my theory. I think Reuben Foster is exactly what the Bills need as far as when I look at Sean McDermott's defense and he has fast linebackers in Carolina and I look at how the Bills are really not talking about the linebacker position that much. They're, they're, they're looking at corners. They're looking at bringing Terry Pagula to look at quarterbacks. They're doing all this other crap, but they're kind of leaving that little linebacker spot quiet. And if the linebacker spot's about uh, five to six deep versus a cornerback spot where you can get starters all the way through the sixth round for what the Bills need this year in a draft. How do you look at, at Reuben Foster? Because from all accounts, from the research I've done, uh, the next guy below him, I don't think it's uh, – there's something about speed and instinct and Reuben Foster that, like, usually when you say instinct about a guy, it's to kind of make up that he's slow. And, you know, that will even out versus a guy who's fast, you know. But if you have instinct and speed, that's a hell of a combination. And I think yeah, the Bills, I, mean, I, I wouldn't even care if they took that fifth-round pick they just got and use that somehow to, to get them wherever scenario they think they might want to get them. I know it sounds weird, but who knows? If he falls to the second round or something, yeah, I would support it. Yeah, I don't think it. you would need an extra asset to get them. Um I think with this, especially with these allegations, I see you. I see him dropping into the late first. Um, you know, I, I I don't think you can. He got in a tiff with the medical guys. Is that like a bell? Is that like something maybe Belichick put out or something? Like you know what I mean? Like what no, if he goes to the be, Patriots? I'll be so pissed. No, he doesn't have. They don't have a pick to get him. But they also know because that would be documented for teams at least to know if this is true. So. I more tend to believe those drug injury or injury-related things this time of year because people are fi- finding the stuff out that the team has known for three weeks or four weeks at this point. So I tend to think of it the other way. It's not a team saying, oh, I don't need offensive line and then going to draft an offensive lineman. I don't think there's a team specifically trying to put Ru- uh, push Ruben Foster down the board. I think that teams are actually you know, very <laughs> – very cautious when it comes to him right now. You know, similar similar to a Chad Kelly, um, where you know you, you don't know. You have a couple of things going on with the guy. You're not really sure. You know, if you can crank. You remember the millions of dollars these guys make instantly too. So it's not just a pick. You don't know if you can crank that guy into your community. You know, it, it, there is a little bit of a, you know a, a responsibility there to make sure you're picking the best guy for your team and fitting your image. So especially with a guy like McDermott, I don't think what he wants to do is start off with a guy who he's going to have to babysit his entire tenure. Yeah, but so, you can you can bring him in with the way they're spinning it. And what I'm saying is, is what if this guy falls that late all the way through to the bottom of the second round? Do you know what I mean? That's what I mean. Like, would it because. You almost wonder if you're like a top draft pick, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather go to a more stable organization if you want to look at your career? I'm not saying that this dude's smart enough to do that or dumb enough to not do it. But it's um, like, like you know, I always kind of wonder that. Yeah, but you want to go to a team that will let you be you. Like, if you, if you go to a team that's too strict, it might actually flame you out. So, like, if you go to, like, the Patriots and you just can't play for Belichick, you know, you're done. 
So I, I think there's a little bit to that, but I also think there's a little bit to wanting to make sure you're in a comfortable situation to where you can't even get into trouble. And, you know, one of those places that's true is Buffalo. I mean, you're, you're not going to get into trouble here. You can find trouble anywhere. Um, but I, I don't think there's that, you know, you don't have the nightlife, you don't have the club scene, you don't have quite what they do in Miami or other places, LA, Vegas, you know, you're not going to have those kind of issues. So I do think, and, and, and a more disciplined coach. So I do think that he'd be a good fit, but I, I just, I just can't take him in the first round. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I think the players there. Oh, I'm, I could do it all day. I, I, I can't do all it all day. He just seems I, so far and above. Who's the next yeah. guy, Riddick or something? Well, it depends, like, what you consider. Like, the next pure inside linebacker is Jared Davis from Flora. Um, you have Raquan McMillan from Ohio State. Um, yeah, I mean, you have, depending on where you play Raddick, he's technically very close to him on the big board. So, you know, Raddick's probably, you know, in the top 15 range, and, you know, so is, so is Ruben. So they're not too far apart. It just depends, you know, kind of what you see that player as. Also, you have Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt. He's up there. Um, so those are guys that can play multiple positions to me. So, so line, uh, line, on this linebacker thing, you seem to have, you seem to know the linebacker. So sure. To me, here's what the bills need to do. And I'm going to dub this even in the title, um, a linebacker preview with your big board um, sure. stuff. So look at, I, I look at this draft where if, if positions like cornerback are that deep, and you don't get your Chad Kelly in my little world to stash on the <laughs> roster where I don't know he where he'd even fit. And it well, you don't mis- carry four quarterbacks. But, you don't mistake him in the fit though, so that wouldn't right. cost you an asset. But I'm just worried about like where you'd even put him on the roster and have him not get snatched up if he's that valuable to you. Um, anyways, um, you know if they took two cornerbacks and having one of those cornerbacks be a hybrid kind of guy. Um, sure. Of the two, I don't be shocked with that in this draft. And and if they even call me nuts brought three of them and tried to catch lightning in a battle, I have no problem because these guys get cut all the time, late round picks. And, and this Bills roster is good enough now, I think, where a lot of the other spots are locked up. You, you're, you know what I mean? It's not – a lot of the spots are already locked up. There's not going to be a lot of room. So you never know what you might catch out of these, these cornerbacks in a draft. But I think the glaring need is really – um, weak side at, linebacker. Yeah, I, uh, it's it's yeah, driving I mean, me crazy. So if you pull that up, so if you pull up my big board, and you know, obviously, I do a good job of sorting. What I hate what people do, and this is confusing for like a casual user, maybe even for you, we look at, and all you see is edge. Like that doesn't mean anything. Like okay, so he's an edge player. That means that he can play outside linebacker, defensive end, rush the passer. You still got to give the guy a position, like. Not every scheme is Rex Ryan's scheme. So something I've been pushing lately is just not labeling a guy edge. Although you can say he's an edge player who can rush the passer, you could fit him in multiple schemes. That doesn't mean he he doesn't get a position. So that's one of the most confusing things people are doing now. They're being lazy and calling everybody edge. And then it's just confusing for people to know, like, what does that mean? I like on the ball, off the ball. Okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, like that, that kind of like really makes a lot of sense when you're talking about Rex Ryan and, you know, say a Sean McDermott scheme thing. Yeah, you're just, it's the same thing as basically on the ball, off the ball. You're basically just saying defensive end or outside line. I mean, you're just basically saying it differently. I mean, you, you can line players off differently, but at their fundamental roots of the player, he still has a core position. Okay, so he can still, in most schemes, be an outside linebacker. Okay, so if you, with that being said, like my favorite 
player for our scheme, we'll, we'll call it. You know, you have a guy like a Tim Williams from Alabama um, who is a really good fit for, um, you know, playing that outside linebacker position. You know, right now he's probably, I mean, he's probably in that 30 to 40 range. Um, someone might really like him. But if you have a minute, you know, Google Tim Williams or to check out some stuff on him. He's one of my favorite prospects. And then really the biggest fit for me is Duke Riley from LSU. Um, he is a guy that can actually play multiple linebacker positions and actually play linebacker. So he's the most similar Zach Brown to me. So Duke okay. Riley Duke Riley from LSU. Um, he's probably a second-round pick, depending on how we might value him more than other teams um, due to his versatility. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty similar fit to what Sean McDermott likes to draft. So check him out. Um, and then, you know, you know, you still, depending on really what you're after, you know, you got your TJ Watt who can rush the passer. You have, um, you know, Tack McKinley, who's more of a first round pick who can, you know, really play a really strong linebacking position. But, you know, one guy that I'm going to, you know, kind of, you know, point out to you and, and someone that I, I really, I really like as a guy is, you know, Tim Williams, obviously, like, like I mentioned, and then you have. Duke Riley, so those are the two. And then my third favorite guy is Tyrus Bowser from Houston. Um, he's an edge player that people like to label, quote-unquote, edge. Um, right. But he's someone that can really get after it. So um, he's one of my favorite picks. But here, here's the end-all, be-all. And I know people are mixed on this, and this is what I'm going to say, is I'm a Jabril Peppers guy inside and out. Um, the guy can be, he's a better version of Mika Hyde to me. And if you like Mika Hyde, then you're showing me that you like Jabril Peppers because the guy can play two defensive back positions. He can play the weak side linebacking position. And he's super similar to the guy that, uh, McDermott talks up every time he gets a chance to, and that's Shaq from, uh, Carolina. So, you know, he is a great player and I really, I'm not sure I like him at a ton of value at 10. Um, but with a trade back, I think he's immediately our number one consideration. He adds that versatility. He can play that weak side linebacker position. He can rush the quarterback. He can play defensive back. Um, a lot of people are worried he can't fight through traffic. I think he's a ball player. He's actually most compared to Troy Palomalu just due to his reckless behavior. Um, I like the guy. I mean, I, there's nothing more to be said. I think he, I think he can play football. I think I think what Sean McDermott wants to do is everybody talks about multiple, 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 multiple. And that's everybody's, Peppers. Yeah, yeah everybody's talking Peppers. cross-training positions is the trend, yada, yada, yada. That's what I loved about Rex's scheme is guys are going to do multiple things. It's so popular to say. But I do like guys that are versatile that, um, you know, instinctually have good play. And, and if you can cover that many positions – Mm-hmm. You're doing something right. You're studying your game. You're doing a lot of things right, and you can't go wrong with a guy. I just hope that there's something that that dude does elite if you're drafting yeah. him at 10. It has to be a top 10 guy, has to be a plug-and-play. And I'll be honest, if they if they grab a guy, uh, a, a cornerback, and a cornerback deep draft, and then I don't – I don't really care that they gave away two first-round picks for Watkins. I don't really care that much. I mean, it is what it is now. But, like, I just hope they don't spend a first-rounder on a defensive back. Just a defense. Yeah, you I, won't, I want the most impact on the roster for the you top won't, three picks. You won't, in my opinion, you won't see that at cornerback. Now, 
it, it's a very big distinction to me when you're talking about Jabril Peppers because he plays weak side linebacker. So that's the kind of intriguing part is if if that dude can cover too, that's nuts. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? Like especially yeah, in this division. Yeah, he's like Dayan Buchanan. Yeah, he's like Dayan Buchanan. He's like um, trying to figure. You know, he's kind of like Tyron Matthew. He can cover. He's bigger right. than Tyron Matthew. He can cover. He can play multiple safety positions, and then he can play the third linebacking spot, the weak side linebacker. He can cover tight ends. He can play the run. So you're not you're not just getting a defensive back there. I think it's more than just like drafting Marlon Humphrey, who's just a cornerback. Um, I think you would get a multiple position guy there, and you know you can say what you want, but that immediately ups your value, right? Because you can play in multiple packages, you can play in multiple schemes, and then you can have guys like Jordan Poirier in and out of the game. So. You know, it allows you to do crazy different things. And if you look at Sean McDermott, he actually doesn't play too much three. He doesn't play a lot of three linebacking sets. So that's one thing to be noted. Every he year, every year, it's more of a nickel, anyways. Yeah, but he, you know? he's pretty he's pretty heavy into into multiple defensive backs. So that's why when you guy get a guy like Peppers, he he holds both of those. He plays both those positions. He's your third linebacker and your fifth safety or your fifth defensive. Back. So he's like he's like our updated version of Bart Scott or not Bart Scott yeah. or uh, the the one Scott we had here. Sorry, uh, um, Brian Scott maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like Brian Scott. I right. mean, really, really. I mean, we have a good example of him on the roster. Mika Hyde. Mika Hyde's going to be more defensive back oriented. He's going to play your safety and nickel corner. However, Jabril Peppers is going to be more safety and outside linebacker. So between both of those two on the field, you have multiple different sets and confusions and different things you can do with them both. So if they're both in the game, you have no idea who's playing what, and that's great. You seem really high on him. Do you think it would be – see, to me, you could sell me on that guy at 10 and over a receiver at 10, to be honest with you. At the same time, Steve Tasker almost has me thinking receiver – yeah, and um, and he goes, look, Tyrod Taylor's strength is a deep ball. You send two of those guys deep. You have that whole middle of the field to work that play action, to work Shady McCoy in his own run, and he makes so much sense. At the same time, um, you know, I think if Tyrod actually throws that ball deep, which he will, mm-hmm. he's going to connect that the receiver's in the right spot. So that's just chemistry, and you know, I don't. I look at a guy like that that's going to get three to five targets a game when you got a guy like Charles Clay, who I'd rather, frankly, see get the ball first in the middle of the field if you're working some play action. And you got, uh, especially against the Patriots, if they have a cover three kind of thing going on too. You know, like, um, I, I would rather have a guy that can turn this defense around, that can really impact that defense right there than a receiver who's going to get three targets a game. It's stupid to me in the first round to do that. Like, it's not helping you right away. I think they should develop a guy or get somebody late in the draft or somebody who's cut. Or, you know, when I saw, I had to refresh myself that Kobe Lissonby is six foot. And I'm not going to invest a ton of stock into Kobe Lissonby. But he's very interesting to me at six foot. These guys are big targets. At the same time, you could almost sell me on an O.J. Howard, but I, I just think it's ridiculous. I think the yeah, problem was the defense at the end of the year, and that's what needs to get fixed. How are you making the most impact this draft here, if you had to do it? Here's what I'll tell you. So you know cornerback's deep, right? So cornerback is deep, and also safety. So if you look at it, I mean, let's say you don't go with uh, Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker, or Jabril Peppers. You have a Buda Baker and an O.B. Melfon Wu or a Marcus Saunders-Williams from Utah. 
So you have a bunch of players there. And then one of my also favorite I'll bring up to you is uh, Desmond King from Iowa. He's a free safety uh, cornerback combination player um, and adds that versatility piece. So there's a lot of really strong pieces that I really have to imagine where I am. Um, so my, here's my argument to you. So I'm a big Jabril Peppers fan, but also I'm probably a bigger receiver fan. I don't think you can get the value you can get at the, in the first round at receiver. I don't think the value's there later in the draft. What I mean by that is in this specific draft, there's some guys like there are always that you can, you know, grab up. But to me, the, it's still heavy. It's still very heavy in the third round and before. So what I mean by that is if you look at like a John Ross, Mike Williams, or Corey Davis, if you hit on one of those three, you're getting that player, um, you know, call it for two or $3 million on the cap. And his value to me is about a nine or $10 million player. So you consistently take pressure off of Sammy Watkins. You add another weapon for a guy, like you mentioned, who likes to throw the ball deep. And then he's also working the middle of the field. Most of those players outside of Ross, um, who's actually really good. John Ross is going to be a really good football player if his knees check out. Um, Corey Davis and Mike Williams are beasts. I mean, you can ping it however you want. They're both really good receivers. So, so for me, that makes uh, – not to cut you off, but for me, that makes sense. Like, you, yeah. I'm easily swayed. If somebody hits me with some good logic, it's like, okay, that makes sense. And that's how I want this draft to go is if this draft is that deep, even at the if the tight end spot is deep, again, stop. It is tight. You it already is got Nick O'Leary. The dude has chemistry with Tyrod. Dude finds a way to get open. He might not be the fastest guy. He might not be whatever. But every position can be upgradable. There's that much kind of value. Um, man, like, it, you can make that case to me, and I'll and I'll buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I hate to say that, that people are, you, you know, the, the best – the receiver position is very flashy, and it's very expensive after their first contract. And yeah. this guy's going to be making, like, not much money in the first round. So, exactly. So if he has that kind of impact where, uh-oh, that's a serious wrinkle to this offense now, I mean, that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, look at, you know, you look at all the guys from the draft, you know, Sammy Watkins draft, and, you know, you got – Kelvin Benjamin and Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Cooks playing for free, basically. I mean, that's a, that's a huge benefit to your cap that next year you don't have to you don't have to worry about receiver. I mean, you're kidding you're kidding yourself if you think Corey Brown and Andre Holmes are second receivers. You're, they're not. They're they're fine depth players and they're fine third and fourth receivers for me. Um, but you, you really need to get a number two, and that has to happen in the first. We'll call it three, but I'd like it in the first two rounds. So. Um, what do you think for cornerbacks? Because uh, I'm just going to throw that in the title too. For cornerbacks Corner. that would fit, um, or do you think they should go a hybrid kind of thing? But I, I would prefer somebody that's a corner. Me, I would prefer a cornerback which, that can slip back into safety. Anywhere throughout the draft. Do you have like a top three to four guys? Yeah, and, sure. and And especially value-wise too. I, I want to have a value pick for linebacker when we wrap up and a value pick for cornerback. Um, sure. So I've touched on him a little bit, but uh, Desmond King is that hybrid from Iowa. Okay. He's a hybrid player that is probably, you know, it's tough for me to know where other teams value him, but I think he's a top 70 pick. So he's a good value. He can he can give you minutes at both positions, um, and you're getting that versatility out of him. So once again, you know, his, you know, Desmond King from Iowa. So he's one of the initial guys that I like personally. And then, you know, one of my others, Quincy Wilson from Florida, second-round pick. Um, 
very talented guy, you know, led a pretty good Florida defense. Uh, you have, you know, you have a Dory Jackson from USC, another name that to keep an eye on. And then, you know, you have a guy that's really intriguing to me. And there's two guys there that got both got hurt in the preseason or excuse me, in the off season. And you have um, Sidney Jones from Washington and then you also have Fabian Moreau from UCLA, both very, very good corners who are now going to be third-round picks. So that leads me right. to the question is, if you get a first-round talent in the third round and he's going to miss six games, do you do it? I mean, I do. In the third round, we're not talking top ten. You're talking at pick 75. Do you take uh, one of those talents? Um, I mean, at the same time, I mean, look at the Dolphins Washington, what he did in the third round. And, and um, you know, I, if there's a third-round tackle – which I don't think this draft has. Um, no, you know offensive I mean? tackle? Yeah, I mean, like no. right tackle, which this draft doesn't have. I mean, you can make the case for me for that. Um, I don't think you're going to get and – then, and, then, and then on top of it, I believe it's – I'll have to look a little bit more into a lot of their injury histories, but Fabian Moreau from UCLA was a top five cornerback, probably now in the – call it 10 range, third-round pick, who says he's going to be ready for the season. So – it, it, it really is. It really is based on you know our team's medical. Um, but then you know another name, obviously another guy from Florida, like Quincy Wilson, would be Tez Torbo, uh, Tabor. Um, he was a high-ranked first-round pick. Now he's kind of your versatile guy that really no one knows what to do with him, and kind of slipped a little bit third-round pick. But I really think with proper coaching, he's going to be a good player. So you throw him in the mix, um, and then another guy, you know, in the more later third round pick, you have Cordero Tankersley from Clemson, who's pretty much to me can start can spot start. So um, I really like Tankersley. I mean, he's a guy, and then you know, a guy from Miami is Corn Elder. Um, he's probably a third round pick as well, late third, early fourth. I think he can spot start as well. I think he can step up and play day one minutes. So those are some guys to like, in my opinion, from what I've seen, to take a look at. Uh, and then if you're talking first round for some reason, obviously you have your Marshawn Lattimore, Gary and Conley, and Marlon Humphrey. So, Who's the guy you like, Deeks, that you were hammering the table for? That, that was Marlon Humphrey. And what, why, what really intrigued you about him? Scheme fit. He would, he would fit real nice into, uh, well, you know, McDermott likes the zone, the zone coverage, and uh, – He's played a ton of it. Yeah, he's he's definitely a scheme fit. To me, I would love him. I would absolutely love him in round two or even right. – he's a guy, and, and no one wants to hear this, but he's a guy that I would absolutely package my second with a pick to come get um, in the top of the second or end of the first. Um, right. Well, that, did, that was my I scenario I was talking him. up was uh, – Finding a trade partner and sliding back a few, you know. Yeah, that's possible. I, I think he's, t- he's to me, he's out of the question at ten. Right, um, back in that like eighteen, nineteen range all day though. I would, yep. I would do that. Yeah, he's immediately a consideration with Jabril Peppers at that point. So yeah, I mean, it depends um, how we play our cards, but I would be, I wouldn't be super happy with him at ten. Um, but yeah, if we do some finagling around the board, he definitely becomes a consideration there. Um, to me, if you like you, a guy that much and you think he would be a, a plug-and-play, I don't give a shit if you use a first-round pick on him because at the end of the day, it really comes down yeah. to, like, you know what I mean? Even at 10, I'm saying, like, it really comes down to, is this dude going to make an impact? Because the way I look at it but, is it's not a guarantee, but if that guy fits better than other guys, he has that those intangibles I'm, that you're looking for. How about this for an example for you? Okay, so... 
Yes, you do want to do that. However, you want to hedge your bet, right? So just like we did with EJ and we're like, shit, I'm not spending a ninth overall pick on this guy. Right. Um, let's get Kiko Alonso out of it. Um, just by moving down the board. So similarly, in this case with Marlon Humphrey, not everyone's looking for this type of cornerback. Seriously, he's not a fit for every single scheme. So he'll only fit a certain style of defensive play. So knowing that, and if you play your cards right, taking a guy at 10, you're just overpaying for the guy that you could probably get. So, with so you're trying back. to say take something for it. At least, Daniel, look, shoot us anything, a, a sixth round, a, a fifth, something. Yeah, give us our fourth that we don't have. Yes. Right, exactly. okay. Yep. Give us our fourth we don't have, and we'll move back six spots. I, I, and, and you want to know something. If, Like I said about the Foster character sliding in and plug-and-play, uh, if Humphrey can really fit the scheme or you like Jabril Peppers, um, you know, I look at it like they're really hitting the smoke screen hard and trying to do that because yeah. they like somebody there that is the instant plug and play guy. And, um, and you've, you've mentioned him a little bit and I'll, I'll touch back back on him for a minute, but it's another really intriguing offensive player is OJ Howard because you know, we, we've pumped up versatility, right? So yep. one thing you have to remember with O.J. Howard is, yes, it's not just about upgrading Nick O'Leary or even um, Logan Thomas. It's about upgrading the team. So he's a receiver, okay? So he would replace the need of Mike Williams or immediately not need to take a guy in the first three rounds. Then you can go your route with getting a guy in the fifth round at receiver because he's in a re- he is a receiver, right? And he will pair you with a very good blocking tight end as well. So now you have two weapons like New England likes to have. It's a completely different play. And McDermott just talked about today being in a lot of uh, two tight end formations. So here's what I'm saying is that now you have two major weapons, major weapons. Um, It's not necessarily just about, you know, needing to upgrade Nick O'Leary more than it is. You have a receiving threat that's going to be one of the best receiving tight ends instantly in the NFL. And then you have a really good blocking player that can play in your run packages. It's it, He could almost be more valuable than a receiver. So it's really about how you look at it. Right, right. And, I mean, we lost Robert Woods, who was a very, very good blocking receiver. Yeah, there you go. And so, I think that would be a very fitting replacement. Exactly. And, and, and you're going to immediately be in more 12 personnel, which is, which is double tight ends. And the thing to remember is here's one thing that most people really forget. Between Woods and Goodwin, we lost a lot of targets. I think we need to replace 140 targets next year. Um, So that's just not something you can throw at Corey Brown and Andre Holmes and Nick O'Leary and say, here's 140 targets. Good luck. Right. Um, Right. No, and he would definitely be a guy that you could value in at that 10 spot. Exactly as well as you add in the ability to block and the factor of tight ends now being six, $7 million players. You know, if you look at even uh, Jack Doyle from Indianapolis, got a he just blocks. I mean, um, Lee Smith left Buffalo and signed like a uh, I was just going to say Lee Smith. Ago. I could not believe that, but look what they're doing, you know? Yeah, it's – you're getting the blocking versatility, which is worth three or four million. And then you're getting the receiving versatility at a tight end, which is worth five or six million. You're packaging it together in one field player. Now you can still have a wide receiver too with him on the field. So now if you go and you draft right and you draft a Cooper Cup in the third round and you pair him with an OJ Howard, you now have multiple options there and you upgraded and you and you massively upgraded your team. Right. 
Um, you massively upgraded your offense. At that point, if you add in Cooper Cup and you add in a O.J. Howard, that's a really good offense. I, I, I agree. And if you look at something with Sean McDermott, is, uh, or not McDermott, with uh, Rick Dennison and, and Kubiak, look at the targets that those coaching staffs have had. And I understand they got there and some personnel is there, but, I mean, Eric Decker was nothing to sneeze at. He's a pretty big guy. You yeah. know, like um, the – the, the the two tight ends with that guy is I, is going to be awesome. You're right. No, no. You, you bring in a huge point. And here's what I mentioned, 12 personnel, and they just talked about it today, which is one back, two tight ends. You have to remember, they play as much as a number three receiver. So right. with that being said, your number two tight end probably plays 60 to 70% of the game. So A, if Charles Clay goes down, you have a major issue. B, if you want them both on the same on the field at the same time, what a draft to take a tight end to me. I mean, it's a valuable position. They do work out a lot of the time. Um, it is fairly a safe position. Um, they do tend to have a learning curve. However, you know, OJ Howard said to be one of the best tight end prospects. To yeah, have but dude, I, I'll tell you, man, I don't buy it um, because. Um, yeah, who? You and, don't buy which part? Uh, I, the, the thing that, that, that sets me back about OJ Howard is, again, I know nothing, but I'll tell you, if I follow theories and I follow my theory, which I touched on, Alabama, Saban gets the biggest dudes, man, the biggest dudes. And, like, how how, what I need to know is him versus a guy like Nick O'Leary, right? I'm not saying that Nick O'Leary is a man, but give an an example. If if Nick O'Leary can block a hell of a lot better than O.J. Howard as a rookie, and we're in win-now mode, I think that well, you put Nick O'Leary in, or even if you brought back a Chris Craig at a cheaper price. I don't know. I don't know how well these guys, how, okay, how well so, these guys grade out or anything. I'm just giving an example. In theory, I'd rather use that first-round pick on somebody that is – you could almost sell me on receiver at that point because if he can't block and you're having two tight ends out there and he can't block at the level yet – He's not worth it. Okay, so like one of the best ways I can put it for you would be, okay, so you look at the most trusted player in Carolina's offense. Who is it? Greg Olson, okay? So with, with that being said, you know what Charles Clay's very good at. He is a very good blocking tight end. He actually is. He's probably one of the best in the NFL. He's one of the best all-around blocking tight ends, believe it, with receiving ability. Oh, yeah, and, and the offensive line will credit him, You don't need them too. both to block. So you don't. You wouldn't need Charles Clay and a blocking tight end on the field, believe it or not. One of one of what you paid Charles Clay to do is to be a top five t- uh, blocking tight end. So what, what I'm trying to say is you wouldn't have a scheme in a 12 personnel that would have two always blocking tight ends that you're going to always need your number two tight end to be, like, the best blocker on your team. Yeah, but so, wouldn't that also be a tell? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, Charles Clay, this is all he's going to do. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you talk versatility, well, I would – you know, you, you know you what w- I mean? Yeah, but you would not You would also not scheme it like that. So sometimes – exactly. So if you think that Charles Clay and O.J. Howard are on the field at the same time and Charles Clay is going to block, what if he doesn't? He's a really good receiver as well. Right. Um, that's, that's so you think good. They, you, I would, you I would think they could mask it. You think they could at least mask it till he develops. Yeah, he's a serviceable. He's a serviceable okay. blocking tight. I, I would say that you know you're comparing him to Nick O'Leary in blocking. I I wouldn't call. I wouldn't see there be a problem that he wouldn't be able to block as good as as a, as a rookie. He wouldn't be able to block as good as uh, 
uh, OJ Howard in, and he would block his he would block better than Nick O'Leary in my opinion. Okay. Plus, plus here's the number one thing you're going to have to consider when he's lining up, and if you're thinking that you're going to jump in and do a, a, a stunt on him, or you're going to do things, you're going to leave him wide open. So um, you, he's not going to get the bull rushes that you know Lee Smith will get when he's playing in the game. Right. Because if you're tacking his side of the ball, guess who sneaks out and goes 10 yards every single play? So it, it, it creates a, a massive nightmare matchup. So then let's say you defend his pass route option. The next thing you know, you're thinking Charles Clay's going in, you spread both tight ends out, and you can't cover it. You don't have two linebackers that can cover two receiving tight ends. So it creates a it creates a massive mismatch to, for a defense and a headache because – you know, if you're covering one tight end in Sammy Watkins, you can't cover a second tight end. You're going to have to use space personnel, your base, your second linebacker, to cover O.J. Howard. It's not going to happen. So, um, you know, there's many ways to cut this cloth, and you've pretty much sold me on a bunch of different options. Um, before we wrap, I mean, we've been at this for an hour and 20 minutes, which I'm cool with, but... Before we wrap, is there anything else on the draft? Um, I'm sure I'm going to have you on before the draft. News to you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, is there anything what? Is there, is there anything else that draft wise that that especially at the linebacker and cornerback spot, maybe sure. late, late, late that you got the weed guy, or I don't want to include domestic violence because I have a personal gripe with that. I don't want to Mel Kiper it out of personal, but. You know, is there a guy that that you think, like, to me, a Santral Henderson, seventh-round pick, comes in, does a a fine, serviceable job um, his rookie year and makes and, you know, helps the team? Is there anybody in this draft like that? And that I've designated, yeah. So there's a guy, so we'll start at, real briefly, we'll start at, I'll give you one in each position. We've talked a little bit about uh, outside linebacker. So if you look through, you know, my big board and you, you're, you're parsing it through and you're trying to find a value gem pick, um, you know, I'm going with, I'm going to pick a lot, uh, Alon Price from Pittsburgh. Um, he's a registered senior. He can play multiple positions on the, on the field. He's probably a sixth round pick. Maybe, maybe falls into the seventh round range. Um, but for us, we don't have a seventh anyways. So I like him. I like him as a player. And the second at linebacker would be Devontae Fields, who can um, pretty much play a gamut of positions and is another six-round pick. And then here's another name. If you're just looking for a thumper, you know, he played lights out, but Ben Bullware is another guy you got to consider in the fifth round and sixth round. Um, he's a gamer. I think he would be a perfect, you know, uh, backup inside linebacker and can p- pretty much start in big games. We saw it in the national championship game. So, you know, watch out for Ben Bolware. I really think that he's a, a really good fifth or sixth round pick that would be a great, great, great fit in Buffalo. Awesome, Kevin. I'm going to re-research that um, myself, and I will actually probably listen to this podcast back for some more inside stuff to really um, streamline the process. Uh, for I, I really I love the late picks. I really do, and I get even more excited sometimes. Or just as excited, I should say, for the undrafted okay. for the undrafted guys that teams bring in too. So, um, where can we find you and reset? Like what you have dropping soon um, on CoverOne.net. Yeah, Eric and I once again are working on our, you know Kevin's big board, um, big board rankings, which is honestly just going to be a breakdown of every position. It's going to have all the players in their ranking and kind of which round they should go in, and just a real quick, easy scan 
You can pull it up during the draft if you after we pick someone to see where I had them. Um, very easy read. Once again, right on right on CoverOne.net. Um, and I'll have it tagged right on my Twitter page, at Kevin Nasseri. But once again, those are the two main places to find me. I poke around different podcasts at times. But, um, yeah, it'll, that, that'll be the main thing I've been working on. We're trying to do what we can to make it more interesting. Eric wants to, you know, maybe throw some videos on. You know, we'll see what we do to, you know, kind of make it a quick appeal. I think it's just kind of kind of plug and play. So, it's a, once again, it's just a big board. It's just, you know, a rankings list that it's going to be as easy as possible for someone to follow. Awesome, Kevin. And where can we find you on Twitter or do you have an email or a Facebook or where, where do you want people to reach you? Yeah, once again, my easiest place is Twitter and it's at Kevin, K-E-V-I-N-M-A-S-S-A-R-E. That's, uh, that's me. And you've probably seen me around. Awesome, Kevin. Thanks, man. And um, all right, well, I guess I'll just pause this real quick. And that was Kevin from uh, CoverOne.net. So, hopefully you all enjoyed that super in-depth schedule preview. I thought it was cool. Um, a lot of guys to look up for, for me with the draft. Um, again, there's so many guys to look into. Anybody the Bills draft, I'm, I kind of look at it like, wow, these guys put in the homework. They really must like this guy, and I get so enthusiastic over who they got. And I just can't wait to see what picks those are. Uh, call me a homer. Maybe I just believe in the, the scouting department. And I love that this guy, Sean McDermott, is a scout himself. So, Dave? What? Do you trust the process? <laughs> Look at me. Do you... Do you trust the process, Dave? Yeah, hold on one sec. Playoff caliber. That's a playoff caliber bong rip. Good golly. All happy 420, com. Hopefully we helped you out with some draft stuff. Um, don't forget our live show put up. I ran it about Mike Gillisley. If you want to hear that, go back to our iTunes feed. Do not forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or any other place where you get your podcasts. Please do it. And if you really do like us and you're one of our friends, how about you press subscribe and not be a douche You know who you are, Dean Milak. Did you press, did you press subscribe? Don't be laughing right now either. You're not that special. You're probably drinking right now. It's 1021. He's already asleep. Um, well, soft. PunchDrunkSports.com, BillsForLife.com, 25% off on Shady Ray's sunglasses. Uh, type in Numb Bills Fan in the promo code. And don't forget, come hang with us at the draft party at 34 Rush. So many great people there. Sh- special shout out to Gary at Rochester Sportsnet for really everything he does. Uh, he really tries hard to, to put some stuff together, and he's hooked up Ryan and Icy Vic like with some awesome stuff. So um, they have a great presentation for their show, and always have, and a professionalism about them that's just, you know, all the I's are dotted, T's crossed. So we're really proud and excited to work with them, and flattered that they asked us to be a part of their their show for draft night number two, which frankly. The second night of the draft is actually my favorite night of the draft. Yeah. And I actually do like the next day. Usually I'll be working on every year. I'm working on the house or something. Uh, draft day two 
or three, I should say. And I like hearing the picks come in and Working just talk. Working on the house one day a year. <laughs> That's your day. How are those rust spots on your car? You. They're good. They're good. They're all set. Cool. No. Anyway, so let's got the rail. So yeah, at thirty four rush. Uh that's at Batavia Downs Gaming Center. Again, we might know somebody with the PS five celebrating four twenty and it won't be us. But there will be a blue van. <laughs> no there won't. Probably not. We're taking a, a, a white Audi. No there won't. Yeah, you're driving, dude. Don't tell them what I drive. Nineteen ninety six. White Audi. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. sweet. It's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I was really proud of him. He looks like a G. Uh, again, follow me on the Twitter. You know why I look like a G? You got nothing funny to say. I look like a G because I am a G. Huh? G stands for gentleman. Learn about it. Well, with that, find him on Twitter, at Numbills, Adam D, and on Instagram. Yeah, boost my self-esteem on Twitter, at Numbills, Adam D. Find me on the Twitter, NumBillsFan, and on the Instagram, David J. Palermo, along with the Snapchat. Hit me up. I'm not that friendly, but I'm friendly. All love, everybody, and thanks for checking us out, as always. And, you know, tell some people about it. Hit us up. Don't be shy to interact with us. Cheers.